0: I want to read these scriptures to you in 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 7. And these are beautiful verses that tell us a wonderful story of multiplication in a time of incredible hardship and difficulty in this family's life. And there's principles here that I know when, when we apply them in our own life, no matter what the circumstances, God is going to bring about multiplication for us as well. And so, Lord, I just pray that you open our hearts as we would read your word, that you would give us insights that would not even be spoken by me, but spoken by you directly to each person that is listening, that you would be able to give them a revelation of what they need most in their life today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let's read this passage together. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4 and then verse 1. So one day the widow, a, a member of the group of prophets, came to Elisha and she cried out. She said, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come and he's threatening to take my two sons as slaves, as a repayment for the debt that is owed. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, he says, what do you have in the house? And the widow responds with these words, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And then Elisha says, well, borrow then as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. And then I want you to go into your house with your sons and I want you to shut the door behind you. And then I want you to pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing the jars to her, and she filled one after another. And then soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Now when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now I want you to sell the olive oil and I want you to pay your debts so that you and your sons can live on what is left over. And God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Amen. It is such a powerful story of of God providing in the most dire of circumstances. Olive oil is seen as obviously a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol that was so clearly evidenced in various moments of when one was to be ordained or anointed or commissioned or brought before people and identified as having the hand of God upon their life. And often when they would anoint someone with oil, it isn't the few drops that are spilled today, they would cover them entirely from head to toe. So that no part of them had been untouched by the oil and therefore no part of them remained untouched by God. And so oil was used for everything, not just for cooking, not just for eating but also for healing it was something that was so important and vital and so when the widow describes that she has nothing left in her house except for a flask of oil two things are being communicated here one is she sees herself with nothing but God Is able to use the something that she has overlooked and it comes to her memory and her reminder of what God can do when he asks what do you have you offer what it is you actually have not what you do not have but what you do have he asks her very simple question what is in your house and the first word is nothing, but then she remembers, I have a little bit of oil. And that sets the stage for what God can do. If she says nothing and continues to insist it is, there is nothing, then I believe nothing can be done. But the moment you search your heart and you search your house and you truly reflect on what it is you do have you will find something that you will be able to offer God so that in the moment of your greatest need he can take whatever that is and then multiply it. But if you continue to believe there is nothing then you will receive nothing. You will experience nothing. Multiplication cannot happen if you have nothing. But what you do have, and you give that over to God, then God can and will do something. So right now, when you look at your life and you say, I have nothing, then obviously God cannot produce in you or through you or even for you the multiplication that he desires. So when the widow makes her way over to Elisha and asks him, What am I to do because I am in peril, I'm in danger. She knows that it's not just about her sons being taken as slaves, but it's about her own life falling into slavery as well. And in those times you could only hold a slave for seven years maximum or until debt was paid and so it would be determined how long you would be able to work off a debt. Kind of like today when you don't pay your parking tickets and you end up in jail, right? That's, it's never happened to me by the way but I know about this. <laughs> uh, but you can sometimes not have the money and so you say well I'll go to jail and pay this off to do it this way. That if you're stuck and that's all you have then that's what you'll do. It's not any different in that day when someone would say, you owe me a debt, well, I'll put you to work, but I won't pay you. I will feed you, but you will be a slave in my house until the debt is paid. But if this happens to our sons and the sons are not working for the household, what do you think is gonna happen to the mom? Most likely, she will die. And so this is really a perilous situation. And interestingly enough, this is happening to someone whose husband was a servant of the Lord. Someone who had dedicated his life to serving God and honoring him. Someone who God could have healed and avoided this situation from the start. Someone that God could have even maybe raised from the dead and given the husband back to this family. Someone whom God could have done any number of things to not allow for this family who was part of a council of prophets who were going about preaching and announcing the word of God to whatever village and town and city was in their area that somehow no one else came to their aid. No one came running to say, dear woman, what is it that you need for you and your family since your husband has died? No one brought anything to their door. No one helped them with their debt. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes the people we expect to be there aren't. The people we imagine Are going to support us and help us and encourage us and be there for us in our spiritual journey just aren't there they're not just not meeting our spiritual needs but sometimes when we have physical needs they're nowhere to be found when we can't pay our rent and we have no groceries in the fridge and when we don't know where our next meal and paycheck is going to come from, that there isn't anyone who comes and offers help. This woman does the only thing she can do. is She goes to the leader of the prophets, Elisha, who performed more miracles than any other prophet in the scriptures, by the way. The only person who performs more miracles than Elisha in the Bible is Jesus. And what's interesting about this story is that Elisha doesn't say, I'm going to come to your house and perform the miracle, but she equips the woman to perform the miracle herself. I want you to pay attention to that because that is so key. Because Elisha gives her the principles that unlocks the miracle and which allows for her life and the life of her sons to be changed forever. Can we say amen to that? And that's how you know Elisha is not in it for the glory. That's how you know it isn't about him, his name, his ministry and about what he can do, and how God can do it through him, and how it won't happen unless he's there, and how important he is for everything to happen, that God wants to happen because he's got to be there to put his hands on the situation, because he's got to step into the house, because he's got to close that door, because he's got to be the one who takes the small flask of oil, and he has to be the one who pours it out. He doesn't do any of that. He tells the woman what to do, and I want you to understand that that's what Jesus has done for us. He's going feel like he hasn't given us anything it's gonna feel like he hasn't come with us it's gonna feel like he isn't in the room it's gonna feel like we're on our own but I need you to understand that what Jesus does is that he teaches us how to make multiplication happen And if you will take these principles and put them into practice, then you will see it too. And then you're not standing on your words or the words of a prophet or the words of a leader or a pastor or anyone else that you would consider to be a spiritual guide in your life. You are standing on the authority that has been passed down for thousands of years and generations. And it's no longer about you saying what needs to happen, but it's about reminding God what he has said would happen. Not defiantly, not with pride or anger, not with a spirit of condemnation even towards God or an attitude of judgment, but simply reminding him in faith, God, if you did it for the widow, you can do it for me. If Elisha gave these principles to her and she saw this miracle, then I know that I can see it too. And you can stand on that. That is your foundation. That is your ability to go before God and stand on his promise that what he did, he can do it again. Now today we are talking about the prophet's widow. And the prophet's widow is about a woman In debt and I don't know if you see yourself as a person whose life is overflowing to the brim but before you I'm gonna be transparent and say that is not me I know that I have room in my life to experience multiplication how about you do you have room is your jar full and overflowing or is there room for God to do something more Because the other way that God reminds us that we can still experience multiplication is if we believe that we are still in need of multiplication. God is not going to do anything for you if you think your jar is full. I've got everything that I need. Thank you, God. I'm so blessed. And you are. And it's great to be grateful. It's wonderful to see you look at your life in wonder and be thankful for all that God has done. But you can also believe in multiplication at the same time. You can also believe that God is ready to do something more. Can I hear an amen? Are you guys with me? Are you summer sleeping or are you awake? I know it's a bit hot in here, but I want you to get hot with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be alive and awake for what he wants to do next. Because it's coming. You see... He asks them to do something very important. He says, I want you to go to your friends, and then he says, I want you to go to your neighbors, and I want you to get and gather all of the empty jars. Now, why is this important? It's important because the misery that might be in this town isn't just hers. She has friends who are in need and neighbors as well. But she's the only one who went to the prophet and asked for God's word. And then God gave her the principles in how to experience multiplication. Are you guys still awake? You good? You hear what's happening? If you don't go and seek, you cannot find. If you do not knock, it will not be opened. So it is impossible for you to receive what it is that God is sowing if you don't take it And put it into the ground so that you can then one day reap that harvest. So what he's reminding us is that there are empty jars all over the place. Everybody's in need one way or another but not everybody is seeking the counsel of God to be able to experience multiplication. But if you are, I promise you your jars will not be empty. I promise you that those of your friends and neighbors won't be either. And in fact, if they're not going to want them filled, I want you to go and get them and bring them to your house because I will fill them there. If they don't want it, I'm going to give it to you. The parable of the talent is if you take the talent and you bury it, it means that you are hiding. It means that you have hidden what should have been multiplied. It's like having house full of empty jars you look at those empty jars and you say they serve a purpose they're jars of clay that can one day be filled they're not filled right now but they can be filled God looks at those empty jars and says something else he says why are they not filled you look at it and say they will be when the economy recovers they will be when interest rates fall They will when I get a higher paying job. They will when I'm finally able to step into my future. They will when I finally have my goals realized. And God is saying, why are you waiting for all of those things? Those are just empty jars. Bring them to me and I will fill them now. Why are you waiting for something else to happen on the exterior when I'm ready to do it inside your own house? Why are you waiting for things to change in the world? When I can do it in the room, when I ask you to come behind it and close the door. The image that we see next is one of the woman pouring the oil. The one who is acting and responding to the miracle that God has put before her is the woman herself. The flask of oil belongs to her. And so it's important that she holds it. It's important that she pours it. And with every pour and with every jar that is filled, you can see that she is just growing in her faith. And we know that because she keeps asking her sons, bring me another jar. You see, what happens when you begin to experience multiplication is that you no longer accept an empty jar you no longer are okay with an empty jar you are no longer okay with it being empty you don't accept that anymore you look at that empty jar and you say why is that not filled when I have a God of multiplication why is it not filled You see, you bring an empty jar to God. And God is saying, my purpose is to fill it. And I will fill it with the little you have. And the little you have, I will multiply it so that no jar remains empty. so God gives us in this story through the words of the prophet Elisha the principles of multiplication and here's the first one gather more for the miracle poor the first instructions that were given were he had to gather more now they had a few jars in their home obviously but because God is a God of multiplication he's saying it is not enough for you to just go with what you have you need to go out and you need to get more Now, you can interpret that any way you like in terms of what the more is. It could be more people. It could be more in terms of resources. It could be exactly that, empty jars, empty jars of your goals and your aspirations and the vision that you have and and the things that you want to accomplish in this life that align with the God-given life and purpose and calling that he has already put on you. But I want you to understand that unless you go out and make room for more, you will never experience multiplication because God needs vessels in which to pour into. And the more vessels you have, then the further the multiplication can go. And so you got to gather more for the miracle pour. We're clear? Principle number one. Ready for number two? Man, you guys are like sleeping on me, man. I'm like bringing my best here and you guys are not responding. I know there isn't a lot of people here today, so it sounds like, hey, you know, crickets, but <laughs> there's enough people here for us to shout a little bit in the house of God, right? Amen. Okay. All right, sorry. I need to be encouraged too, man. <laughs> Thank you. The second thing is you've got to gather your core and you've got to shut the door. Now the prophet says, I want you to... Take your sons and I want you to go in your house and I want you to shut that door. And, and this is what a lot of us don't understand when it comes to multiplication. Multiplication means you have to have your core with you, whoever that is. I don't know who your ride or die friend is in your life, but you need that guy, you need that girl, you need that person to be with you. When you shut the door, they're in the house believing in the multiplication with you. So that there is no doubt in that house. There was a time when. Jesus showed up at a house and everybody was mourning and there were tens if not hundreds of people crying because a girl had died and what Jesus does is that when he shows up at that house the first thing he does is that he kicks everybody out because there is no place for death when you were about to bring life There is no place for people who are still weeping when they should be cheering. And so in that moment, Jesus kicks everybody out and then he brings the girl back to life. And the principle of not having doubters with you, not having people who will divide you, is so key that many times we don't realize the reason why we are not experiencing multiplication is because we've got the wrong people with us in the house when we shut the door. And one of you is believing in the multiplication and the other is just bringing more division. And so the second principle is you got to bring people who will believe the same thing and you will shut that door and not let anybody in. Sometimes the core isn't the person you do life with because they are just bringing division in that moment. They don't have life. They have death. In that moment, they are weeping. They are mourning. They are grieving. They have no celebration in them. They have no ability to bring faith and a belief that this which is dead can be brought back to life. So they cannot be in the house with you. And I've seen people struggle over this over and over and over again. And I've had sometimes arguments in my own household just to keep a positive mindset and to keep a positive outlook and to have a focus moment together times I brought the negativity times I bout the doubt times I brought the discouragement times I bout what was wrong times my wife did that but we had to just get focused again get on the same page just say enough of this enough of the fighting and the bickering enough of the arguing enough of believing the lie believing there's no other way enough believing that what has come in the mail or what's been written in the email no matter what the phone call was no matter what people have pronounced none of that matters until God says something is final and when he says it's final then it's final until then I will gather my core and I will shut the door gather your core and shut the door you let no one and nothing in And you stand true to what God has said, that's it. Here's the third principle. The third principle is that you have to gather and pour only what you have to offer. God is not looking for you to offer anything other than what you've got. You're gonna look at it and call it nothing, but God looks at it and says that is something. Your nothing is always something. Your belief that it's nothing God is telling you, this is more than enough for it to be something. There is nothing that you can pronounce that can hold you back from the multiplication that God has in store for you. If you are ready to make the decision to repent of that, Be reconciled with his truth again. Be restored so that you can experience multiplication. Her first words are nothing. And then she remembers she has something. And I believe that when we turn back to God, God says, now you're ready. Now I can reconcile you. Now I can restore you. Now I can multiply Hey, I don't know what it is that we've been keeping God out of. I don't know what it is that you specifically have just been saying over and over to God, it's nothing, I have nothing, there's nothing. But right now, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just reveals that right now, just so that you can get past this moment of nothing and offer Him something. And as you offer him something, watch God multiply it. Because as you gather and pour what you have to offer, then that's all that God is looking for. That's why the miracle and the miracle and the multiplication of the, the loaves and the fish was so powerful because it was just what they had. And Jesus wanted to show them early in his ministry what it looks like when you bring a little bit to him that he can keep taking those loaves he can keep blessing them breaking them and then he gave them to his disciples to distribute them and it was when the bread was in the hands of his disciples that it was multiplied you see Elisha did the same thing blessed it he broke it and then he gave it to the widow then she went home with it and she shut the door and she began to pour it out not what she didn't have the little bit that she had and the Bible says that every jar was then filled to the brim every single one and then the last thing that happens is this The oil only stops when there are no more jars to fill. And so if you ever get to that place in your life where you're just full, guess what? Well, the oil is gonna stop. People say, I don't have the strength to to resist this problem, Pastor. I've always struggled in this particular area. And I say, is it possible that this is a jar that you just believe is just always going to be empty? Because I think the answer to that is yes. But if you let God fill that jar with his oil, here's what's gonna happen. That jar has a new purpose now. And it isn't for the garbage you used to receive. It's for his presence that wants to overflow in your life and give you the victory over that which was holding you back. And so if we understand this, then we understand how how God multiplies. He multiplies when we present ourselves as a continual empty jar, an earthen vessel made of clay, fragile, forged in fire, purposeful, but still delicate enough to be broken. But God can still fill us to the brim with his presence, with an oil that will keep pouring out as long as we keep presenting ourselves as an empty vessel. And any other empty vessel you have, you bring it. You bring it and see how God brings about that multiplication in your life. All right, I'm done. You guys are good. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope these principles encourage you. They're not mine, they're the Lord's. They're not mine, they're his. We give him all the glory today and uh, we want to make sure that we are people who experience multiplication the way that God wants us to. I want you to experience multiplication. I want you to be blessed by God. I want you to live your best life according to how God has already established it. And I don't want the enemy to have any power or influence over you. I don't want him to have any victory over you in any area of your life. And so as we come before him right now in prayer, let's ask him to fill us with his oil. A very simple prayer, but as we do that, I know that we can begin to experience multiplication. And so Father, I pray that every person here as an empty vessel, as an earthen jar, that you would fill us once again with your presence, with your spirit. May it overflow and may we identify our core so we can shut that door and experience the multiplication that you have in store for each of us. Lord, you know what each of us needs. You know what each person here desires. You see what aligns and what will lead us further from you instead of directly in your presence. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give us that understanding and that discernment to experience the victory that you have in store for us. Thank you for today, for your words, for your teaching, and for the way that it helps us and inspires us to take the next steps. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.